We're going to be in Luke today, and, and, and we are actually going to stay in Luke uh, throughout Easter. If you can believe it, we've got three more weeks. One more week in March, then, then two in April, and that, one, that third one there in, is Easter. And so we are getting close to that. But we are going backwards in Jesus' ministry. Luke 6 obviously happens a little bit before Matthew 18 did. Uh, but we're doing it for a very specific reason and purpose. Uh, because we, if we're going to talk about uh, not trusting in our own understanding, if we're going to talk about, or excuse me, well, not leaning in our own understanding, but trusting in God, uh, I think one of the things that probably hits the hardest for that is Jesus' teaching on loving your enemies. And that's, that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, this is one of those things that is, is difficult to hear. It is difficult to comprehend. And it is difficult to live out. And the church has, for the majority of history since Jesus' time here, the church has operated in a position of power, a position of being in the majority. Ever since, you know, there was the first 300 to 400 years where the church was uh, beat upon and ostracized and persecuted. But ever since then, throughout the Western world, although there are places where the church obviously is still uh, treated poorly, but in the Western world, the church has been in a position of authority. The church has been in a position of power. And, and yet we are seeing throughout the world, in those old Western countries, the church being put back into its place, you might say, that it was in the first few centuries. And even here in America, appeals to God, appeals to Scripture, appeals to truth, increasingly fall upon deaf ears. And so more and more, there is pushback to these things that we took as evident truth. And so that's, that's the context, though, that, that Jesus was teaching in. And so one of the things I think that I, I would like us to think about as we get into this passage is consider how uh, uh, the church at large, believers as we have gone about living in society, consider how we have behaved to those who are different than us, who don't agree with us over the years. And consider whether or not the way we have behaved in the past lines up with what we're going to be seeing today. And consider how we live our lives today. Do we line up with what Jesus says here? And I also want us to consider what it will take for us. If the answer is no to those questions, what will it take in our lives to live up to what Jesus teaches here? Because Jesus is talking about, just like uh, last week we looked at forgiveness, and you know, forgiveness is based on what God has done for me. God has forgiven me, so then I forgive those around me, and that is for all of us to do. In a similar way, we are going to see that, that Jesus is instructions for us on how to love is also based on how God has loved us. That's why we're looking at to love like God. 
Now, this teaching in Luke chapter 6, this is oftentimes called the Sermon on the Plain. Just as in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. Well, well, this is the same teaching, but it's not placed on a mountaintop or in a mountainous area. So sometimes it's called the, uh, the Sermon on the Plain because he wasn't on the mountains when he was teaching this. But Luke follows similar guidelines that we see in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He begins with Beatitudes, blessed are you, blessed are you. In fact, there are four Beatitudes. My pages are wanting to stick. There we go. He, he, he begins with blessed are you who are poor. Not Notice not poor in the spirit, but you who are poor. Blessed are you who hunger. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you. Scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. So he, he begins with the Beatitudes, the blessed are you. And then he moves from that into four woes. He, he, he's pronouncing blessings on those who are tormented and struggle and are persecuted. And then he goes to woe on you who are rich. Woe to you who are well fed. Woe to you when you laugh now. And woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. And earlier he was telling them, bless you when men hate you, for in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. So, so blessed are you who have been persecuted. Woe to you. They all speak so kindly of you and so good of you because guess what? Their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. And when he moves on from that, that's, that's what leads into, in verse 27, this but that he begins his sentence with. But I say to you. So he is, he's, he's begun with the Beatitudes. Blessed are you when you have bad things happening to you. Woe to you who are living it up. Woe to you who are well fed. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who people speak well of. Because they did the same thing to the the false prophets. But I say to you. So now he's turning it directly to the disciples as they're listening to him. But I say to you who hear. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So, so having, having begun with that view of, of blessing and woe, and, and, and the reaction that we could have is to uh, want to get back at those who he is pronouncing woe against, the rich, those who speak well of, of those people. But he says, no, instead, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. Even if you are persecuted, this is how I want you to live. Do good. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And, and, and just going back to 27 real quick, those who hate you, hate, love and hate. When he, when he tells us to love our enemies, it, it's the word agapeo, it, the verb for agape, which is love that is based on the lover, not the loved one. You have phileo, it's uh, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Phileo is a love that is, it's pleased with the other person. It's pleased with the object of the eye. It loves that other for who they are, for what they are, for what they make you feel. 
It's a, it's a good reciprocating love. Phileo is a great love. God loves us with a phileo type of love. But when he calls us to love with agape or agapao love, that is the idea to take pleasure in somebody else, to give them, in essence, grace, to choose them, to prefer them, to have goodwill towards them. It is not based on the recipient at all. And in God's way, it's actually regardless of the recipient's behavior. In ancient Greek writings, in the classical Greek, agape was the love that gods had for mortals when they picked them out. You know how the, in the mythology, the gods are always choosing this mortal or that mortal over the other one? That was agape. They, they were choosing them and giving them blessings, not because of anything that mortal did for the god. It was a one-way street. And that's what agape love is. When God calls us to love like Him, to love your enemies, it is not based on, obviously, what they're doing for you. Because they're your enemies. They're the ones that actively hate you. The, the enemy is somebody who is openly hostile. Not just somebody who disagrees with you, but somebody who is actively, actively working against you. They're openly hostile. They don't like anything you do. And they let you know it. That's why he says to do good to those who hate you. They detest you and you're supposed to do good for them. He moves on from uh, do good to those who hate you in verse 28. Bless those who curse you. To, to bless is a good thing to say. A curse is a bad thing. It's polar opposites. They curse you. They say horrible things about you. And that's what Jesus was just telling them. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. He says, and when they curse you, bless them. The church, uh, I, I, I can't remember the church's father's name off the top of my head right now, but uh, he wrote seven times in, in one of his writings about how the Jews in, in, in early Christianity, the Jews would curse the Christians. So they lived this out. They were a curse to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people cursed at them and cursed them. And yet Jesus tells us to bless those who curse you. So those that would say uh, wicked things about you. Those who would verbally say that they hope you lose. That they hope that you go down. That they hope that you suffer. We are to verbally bless them. Complete polar opposites. And then finally in verse 28, we're to pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for those who uh, treat you in a poor or a wrong way. They, they abuse you. But we're supposed to pray for them. Now if, if forgiveness can be misused, don't you think this could be misused? You have somebody who's in an abusive situation, a relationship. Well, there it is. It says clearly, just, you just need to pray for him. Jesus never said get away. Jesus just said pray. And pastors have encouraged wives to stay with abusive husbands and children have been sent back into abusive homes. That's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about there. No, we're, we're supposed to protect the weak. 
You're supposed to get away from those things. He tells his disciples, if one place won't take you in, flee to the next place. It's normal and accepted for Christians if they find no shelter to go run to where you can find shelter. But what is our heart attitude and what is our action and our response? It does not mean you stay in it. It does not mean you don't try to avoid the mistreatment if you can, the abuse. But yet our heart's attitude towards them is to pray for them. Not to seek vengeance. Not to give back as hard as we were received. But to pray for them. He, he moves on in this idea in verse 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek. And, and just so you know, the first couple of verses, 27-28, the you was a plural. You who hear. Love your enemies. This was kind of a very broad focus. But now we go into singular you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And again, this isn't just submit yourself to abuse. Uh, Somebody hit you on the cheek at that time and in that culture, that was an insult. And he's saying if somebody insults you with a backhanded slap, give him the other one. Don't respond as the insult deserves in the world, respond with grace. Respond with love. Give them the other cheek as well. He says, whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him. Now, this is kind of funny because this, a, a, this is a flipping. If you were to go to Matthew chapter 5, this isn't what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. There he says, if anybody gives, takes your tunic, give them your cloak as well. The, if they take away your inside garment, give them the outside. Here it's if they get, take away your outside garment, give them your inside garment. Now, why is that? Just for a real quick understanding of how Scripture can say the same thing in different ways, Matthew is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience, and, and, and the Jewish people, they would have understood that you could not take somebody's outer cloak in a, in a lawsuit. If you sued somebody, if they owed you money, you could take their tunic. You could take their undergarment, the, the, the outfit that they wore closer to their body, not necessarily their unmentionables now, we're not talking about that, but the, you had two layers. The heavy coat that you used as a, as a blanket and as protection from the elements, and the tunic underneath that was your, what you wore, your shirt, your pants. They could take the inner as payment, but not the outer. And Jesus was saying, if they sue you to take your tunic, give them your cloak as well. Give them everything. But it was within that context. Luke, writing to a Gentile, writing to a Greek person who is not aware of the Jewish law, he's saying, hey, if somebody takes your outer coat, if they take the thing that is most accessible to them, if they're stealing it from you, well, give them the inner coat as well. It's the same idea. Give him everything. It's just he flipped it for his audience. He interpreted what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount for the audience that he has, but he's saying the same thing. Give it all to him. If somebody takes one thing, give him the other as well. So, Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. And then in verse 30, he, he says, give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. If somebody takes something of yours, 
just accept that they've taken it. Don't even demand it back. If somebody asks you for something, if they're pushing you for something, just, just give it. That's hard stuff. Anybody already rationalizing why Jesus didn't mean what he said? Anybody already going through your mind saying, yeah, but? That's what we do, isn't it? And there are other passages. You know, Paul tells the church in, in, in the epistles, hey, if somebody's not willing to work, don't feed them. So there is an element where we are not helping people if they just ask for us for stuff and we just give it to them. But what Jesus is getting at is our heart attitude and how do we love people? How do we show love to people? What is love to our enemies? And, and to our enemies, to those who would desire to hurt us, to those who desire to curse us, to those who revile us, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to do good things to them and for them. We're supposed to bless them when they curse us. And in fact, as they harm us, we're not supposed to get back at them. We're not supposed to smack them back. We're supposed to give the other cheek. If they take one of our coats away from us, you know, basically, if you had an enemy and they were just trying to get to you and they take you to court and they, they, the court finds you and says, you've got to pay, Jesus is saying, hey, don't stop at the amount they've given you. Love them by giving everything in your bank account if you can. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what Jesus was saying. But that's what he's saying. If somebody took you to court and they are your mortal enemy and you can't stand them, and they sued you and the court said, yeah, you got to pay, and they wanted to take away half of your half of all that you had. Jesus is telling us that if we loved our enemies, we would show up and we would write a bigger amount. And we would say, here you go. Because I love you. I don't know if we would actually throw in those words, but that would be the reasoning for it. And finally, give to everyone who asks of you if they, if they are your enemy. But here's the thing. You know, Jesus, uh, He broadened the idea of, of love. You remember the, the Israelites in Leviticus chapter 19, they're told to love their fellow countrymen, their neighbor countrymen as themselves. Jesus took it and said, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and he was asked, well, who's my neighbor? And he said, oh, the people you can't stand. The Samaritans that you absolutely despise, the Samaritans you want nothing to do with. The Samaritans who, when they when they would not accept Jesus and his disciples, John and James said, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down thunder on them? We'll call down lightning, the fire of heaven, and destroy the city. How about that, Jesus? And Jesus said, you guys do not understand what I am about, do you? And ever since then, he called them the sons of thunder because they actually wanted to destroy people when he had brought them love. Those are the people that Jesus said are your neighbors and that we should love them as we love ourselves. I would say whatever we are supposed to do to our enemy, think of it, your enemy is somebody who is actively hostile against you. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? This is, this is why uh, hate isn't necessarily the opposite of love because your, your active enemy who is hostile against you, they're spending a lot of time thinking about you. You are, you are in their eye and you are on their mind. 
You know, what, what we really got to worry about is when we're just indifferent, when we don't care about people. That, that is the opposite, absolute opposite of love. Hate at least has some knowledge and some care about you. They might not care good things for you, but they care something about you. They want to see you hurt. They want to see you destroyed. Those are pretty extreme people. If we are supposed to love them, don't you think we should love some people in between them and us too? If Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse you, shouldn't we then love our family in a similar way? Love our neighbors in a similar way? Love our spouse in a similar way? Love our coworkers in a similar way? They, they might be your enemy for all we know, but we're supposed to love them in this way. And what we see is as we respond... This love isn't just a, a, a feeling, a, a good feeling that we can have for somebody. It's not just a, an attitude or a thought. But the love that Jesus is teaching us to do is real. It's active. It's an action. To, to bless those who curse you isn't just to not curse them back. When somebody curses you, that you don't just, oh, I'm just not going to say anything. No, he didn't say keep your mouth shut. He said bless them. So the idea is that as people do harmful things to us, as they try to get at us, as they hurt us, our response as believers in Jesus Christ, as faithful followers, isn't just to keep quiet and walk away, but actually to bless, to do good for them, to try to think, how can I help this person? What can I do today that would bless this person? They, they desire only hardship for me. They desire only to hurt me. How can I do something good for them to bless them, to help them be better? I mean, you could look at it as, hey, they, they obviously are hurting. They're so angry. They're trying to hurt me. What can I do to love them? And, and that's the issue, though, that, that love is tangible. That, that it is something concrete. It is something real. It is something that you do. Not just something that we feel. But that our love for our enemies should result in actual, practical behavior. What can we do, not just to put up with them, not just to ignore them, but to bless them? That's tough stuff right there. Because sometimes you've got people that seem to just be living their lives to hurt you. But yet... That's what Jesus is calling us to do, to live our lives to bless them. Notice in verse 31, he tells us, quite frankly, and this kind of sums up what he had just said, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. We've seen this elsewhere in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, the, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. There are other, you know, there were cultures in, 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 in Jesus' time and before that actually had uh, similar standards, but they were negative. Don't do to others as you don't want them to do to you. A lot of us, we live this way. You know, I, I don't want people to do certain things to me. Therefore, I'm not going to do it to you. I, I don't want you to lie to me. Therefore, I won't lie to you. I don't want you to keep me up late at night with your loud music. Therefore, I won't keep you up with my late music, although I am so tempted sometimes. We have we have some partiers on our street, and they stay up late, and somehow the acoustics in these 
you know, you, you can be outside and not hear a thing. You go inside and get in bed, and then it's boom, 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 boom. I am so tempted sometimes. I just want to wake up at like 6 a.m., turn on stereo. I, unfortunately, I don't have anything that makes the loud noise like they do. I, don't, I have not invested in the right equipment. And apparently I'm not supposed to do that. But I am so tempted at times to, you know, oh, you guys are keeping me up late at night. I'm going to get you up early. See how you like it. No. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. So it's not just a don't do. It's actually go beyond. Find ways to do things. Treat others the way you wish they would treat you. Do for them as you want them to do for you. So if you want people, you know, it, real simple. If you're on the highway and it's bad traffic and you would like to get into the lane next to you to get off the exit, the on-ramp, and you wish people would just let you in, start letting people in when you're on the highway and they want to get into your lane and you're like, no, I've got somewhere to be. You're getting in front of me. Let them in. Do to them as you wish they would do to you. It's not a negative don't do. It's a positive do. Do this. Treat them as you would have them treat you. And, and, and this comes right on the, the heels of verse 28 with pray for those who mistreat you. They mistreat us. Don't mistreat them back. Instead, find the right ways to properly treat people. Actively seek how we might treat people. And, and I think part of the, what, what needs to be asked in our lives is how do you truly want people to act toward you? How do you truly want people to act toward you? You know, I, I always thought people wanted me to visit them in hospitals, and then I was in the hospital, and I was very happy to be on the COVID ward because nobody could visit me. And I realized, maybe people don't like you sticking your head in their rooms all the time. You know, I should love people the way I'm loved. No, I, we, we like to visit when, and, and pray over one another, but how do you want to be loved? How do you want people to treat you? When, when you sin, how do you want people to react to you? Do you want them to come up with their, your sin and blare it with a bullhorn and bang you over the head with it? Or, or, or do you wish people would be gentle with you when you sin? Do you wish that people would be patient with you in your sin? Do you have some sin in your life that you just can't kick? It is, you know, and it could be something that you don't necessarily even consider to be a sin, but somebody else in your life does. But it's part of how you're, you're operating. It's a part of how you're wired. It's a part of how you think and you feel. How do you want the world around you to react to you? How do you want people to treat you? What would be a loving way for the people in your life to treat you? Jesus is telling us that is how we should deal with other people. How we want to be treated. And, and, and I think a lot of this comes into what is actually loving. I think sometimes we, we deal with people in ways, and I'm guilty of this. We deal with people in ways we don't want to be dealt with. A lot of times we deal with people in the way that, you know, and it's harmful to them. And we do it because somebody else dealt with us in that way and it was harmful to us. And we just we don't know how to stop it, we just know how to share it. 
That's not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to think, how do you want to be treated? Treat other people that way. And, and one of the things I feel like as, as we're going through this with treat others the way you want to be treated and, and, and uh, give to everyone who asks of you, whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. I think a big part of this is it takes time. Yeah, it, 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 it takes time sometimes to be patient and to be nice, to be loving. The, the quick reactions, the quick responses. Oh, that, those are the ones that seem to hurt more, don't they? But we have to sit in, in the struggle with people sometimes. And, and we want people to sit in the struggle with us, I think. So we should do that for them. But truly, how do you truly want? Not just the Sunday school answer. How do you truly want people to act toward you? And I left space under there so you can write in there if, if you come up with something about how you truly want people to act toward you. But that should be the guide to a certain extent. Just like Jesus, he told us to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do I want to be loved? How do I love myself? That should be how I love my enemy, love my neighbor, love my spouse, my kids, my family, my co-workers, my neighbors. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Jesus moves on from that in verse 32. He says, if, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Literally, what grace have you received? Uh, credit there is, is the word for grace. What, what grace have you received? If, if you love those who love you, what, what credit? What, what have you earned? What have you received for that? Nothing. Even the sinners love those who love them. Then he, he, he continues on. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. In other words, in these three things that he just told us, you know, do good to those who hate you, uh, <clears throat> And to lend and to, uh, where's the third one? There it is. And, you know, love them, do good to them, and lend them, lend to them. If you're loving people who love you back automatically, if you're doing good to th people who will do good to you, if, if you lend to people that you have every right and expectation to expect, they're going to give it back to you, and, and they would lend to you if you needed to because they know you're going to give it back to them. He says, what credit is this to you? Even sinners do that. You know, even sinners do that. They love one another. They do good things to one another. They lend to one another because they expect to be able to receive it back. I remember I had a, a friend in college and I, I, I stowed, I was going to stow my car at his house one Christmas and fly to, to Denver to see my family. And when I was parking the car at his house, he lived in what, what we can nicely call a sketchy part of Dallas. Okay, and when I was parking the car at his house, he was very particular about where I should park the car on his family's property. Like, he moved a vehicle so that I could get it not just on the driveway, but into the grass next to the house, and then pull another vehicle in front. As he explained it to me, he said, it's a, it's a new vehicle, nobody's aware, you know, I just don't want anything to happen to it, because it doesn't belong in the neighborhood. It was a sketchy neighborhood. 
And I thought, are you kidding me? How do you live in such an environment with people who do crime? And he said, oh, it's okay. We don't do it to each other. You know, nobody robs a house here. Nobody breaks into a house here. But a strange vehicle, maybe. A strange vehicle. But they're not going to bust into my truck. They know what my truck looks like. But a strange vehicle, maybe. Even sinners do good to sinners. Even, you know, there's honor among thieves. They're not going to rob from one another. They're going to go to the rich neighborhood and rob there. That's what Jesus is saying. If we, if we are good to other good people, if we're kind to other kind people, what have you done? Nothing more than everybody else in the world has done. And, and by extension of that, Jesus is telling us, as he has told us, lend to those who you don't expect to repay it. Give. And, and that's what he actually says in verse 34. He says, it, it, uh, or excuse me, 35. No, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was going to stop at 34. Let's stop at 34 real quick. I'm just wanting to keep going. But th- this is what Jesus is telling us, that, that we should do good to our enemies. They're not trying to do good to us, but we should do good to them. That we should love them. That we should lend to those who probably can't pay it back. This is similar to Jesus talking to the, the, the Pharisees about when you have a dinner, don't just invite all the rich people that can have a dinner and host you too, but invite all the poor people, invite the cripples, invite the people who could never repay you, who could never bring you to their house and have a wonderful meal. Invite them to your meal, and then you're acting like a child of God. Jesus' statement here is in essence that Jesus expects better of us than the world. If we're just doing what everybody else does, we're just acting like the world. If, if we respond with anger to people who are angry at us, and if we only do good things to people who will do good things to us, well, that's the way the world works. But Jesus expects us to be better. He expects better of us. He expects us to love those that don't love us to do good to those who don't do good to us, to lend to those who would never lend to us. and In fact, we will probably never receive it back, what we have given. We've got to, you know, when you lend something to somebody, you just got to write it off. Especially with family, all right? Write it off. Don't let that get in the way. So that's why when Jesus says this, if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive what credit is that even sinners lend to sinners. But instead, in verse 35, he he brings back the idea that he began with. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Lend expecting nothing in return. Give it and don't expect to ever receive it back. And, And if you happen to receive it back, wow. How awesome is that, right? Then you get double the blessing. But, but lend it not expecting to get anything in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. We could say to, and, and look at ourselves and say, He has done this for us. He has loved us when we are His enemies. When we are His enemies, Christ died for us. When we were in rebellion against Him, He loved us and gave us His Son 
that we might be reconciled to Him. He does this by, uh, He is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Elsewhere, Jesus says, look, He sends the rain on the wicked and the good. He sends blessings to those who are wicked. They're, they're, you know, we have such an attitude in our world that if things are good, it must be because you're doing the right thing. Right? Just like in Jesus' time, rich people, oh, they must be blessed by God. And, and so you can have a kid who was raised with two daddies, and, and he was raised great. And his life is wonderful, and everything is good. That doesn't mean what they are doing is righteous. God blesses the wicked and the good. He can give rain to the wicked and the good. You can have somebody who has gone through relationships and destroyed people, and they can be blessed. That doesn't mean they are good. That doesn't mean they're doing what is right. No. God is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. God is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Just because you're doing well in life, just because you're blessed materially, doesn't mean you're you're in a righteous path. God loves everybody and He blesses us whether or not we love Him or hate Him. And in fact, God loves a lot of people who hate Him. And that's why He is calling us to love our enemies, to do good, to lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. Verse 36, He says, Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful. Be kind. Just as your Father is merciful. Matthew concludes it with, be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Leviticus told them, uh, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Luke tells us, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Why should we love our enemies? Why should we do good to those who hurt us? Bless those that curse us. Because that's what God has done for us. And that's what we see God doing in the world. And and He wants us to be like Him. He wants us to be Jesus' disciples, to live like Jesus did. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus loved His enemies. He forgave those who crucified Him. He loved till the end. And He is calling us to, in a certain way, I would say, to rise above the fray. You know, the world is all in, in, in combat with one another. They're in conflict with each other. They're hurting one another. When we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ, we're supposed to, in a way, rise above all that. We're no longer worried about the squabbles of the world. It is all one and the same. The nations of the earth tremble. They fall. I know that we live among one of those nations, but we've got to remember our nation is one of the nations. But we are Christ's. And we need to rise above the pettiness and the fighting and the squabbling and the hatred and love our enemies because if we actually did that, they might think there was something different about Christians. But when Christians respond slap for slap, when Christians respond with lawsuits, this is why Paul said, don't go to court. What are you guys going to court for? 
Better to be frauded. Better to be wrong and defrauded and to lose everything than to act like the rest of the world. Than to put yourself in such a position as that. Better to be defrauded. We're supposed to rise above because God is above all of that. He loves those who hate Him. He loves the wicked. He is kind to ungrateful and evil men. He is merciful, and therefore we are to be merciful. The love we are called to is rooted in God. The love we are called to that He is challenging us to, that He is demanding we do, it is firmly rooted in God. Just as forgiveness was. And, and I, I, I firmly believe that, that the church historical has done a really lousy job. We, we have not lived up to loving our enemies. We have not lived up to doing good to those who mistreat you. Blessing those who curse you. I would say that we still struggle in a mighty way to do this. If you're slapped on the one cheek, you should be slapped on the other. I, I saw an article just today. Uh, a Christian um, complained about his treatment in a library, and the librarian was fired. The guy who ran that library was fired. And, and here's the sad thing. The librarian who was fired, his answer was, I'm not going to say anything more about it. I'm hoping now that I've been fired, we can all move on. I don't wish any will, ill towards the, this other party. That librarian who was worried about this, it, it, was, it was just this whole political thing. He was worried about what it would do to his library. He was worried about the, the politics of it. He was worried about how many people would be showing up. I'm not saying he had the right motives in, in what he did and, and how he treated this believer. But by the time I was done reading that article... I felt like that librarian was closer to Jesus Christ and his behavior and his attitude than the Christian. Now I'm reading an article. I wasn't there. But it's a shame that that's what's out there. It's a shame that that is what is reported on. It's a shame that the church isn't the one suffering in those ways but that a believer is inflicting that kind of suffering on another person. And I'm not saying that that believer went out of his way to get the guy fired. I just think it's a shame that that's the way it went. We are to love like God is loved. We are not called to be victorious in ourselves. We are not called to, to, to make other people live the Christian walk. We are called to love our enemies. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know that the church as a whole has not done that. If we're honest with ourselves, there's probably a good chance you can think of somebody who has been an enemy in your life. Maybe they're an enemy in your life today. And you can acknowledge, I haven't loved them. I haven't done good for them. I haven't blessed them when they cursed me. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And, and if all you can do today is at least get to the place where you can acknowledge, yeah, you're not living up to it. That's a victory for today. That's good stuff for today. Take that to the Lord today. 
and say, Lord, I'm not living up to this. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to with this person. That's a great place to start because that's how God starts working in us to help us grow. But I pray that we can consider ourselves in light of Jesus' teaching to love your enemies and to ask, not just, oh, I love them and I'm going to love them by giving them the gospel. Ah! How can we love them so that they would actually walk away saying, wow, that person loved me. That person loves me. That person has shown love to me. That's some hard stuff. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray and ask that we begin, Lord, with thanks. We, we thank you that you have loved us. That you have loved us in our sin. You have loved us in all of our misery. You love us continually even as we struggle to obey and follow you. Even as we fail you time and again, you love us. And you have not given us up but you continue to work with us through your Holy Spirit. We thank you. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in our hearts, that you would convict us. If there are ways that we are acting that are not loving, that we are not treating people the way we want to be treated, that we're not doing good to those who mistreat us or blessing those who curse us, Lord, help us to see it. Remove the scales from our eyes that we would see ourselves clearly. We pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts to, to give us a desire to love our enemies in tangible, real, physical ways. Lord, that we would seek how we might do good to those who harm us, to bless those that curse us, to, to give even when we know they're not going to give it back, but that we would give out of a, an attitude and a spirit of love. Lord, teach us to walk that path. And Father, we pray if there is people in our lives today that we need to forgive. Maybe we hold a grudge against them and we are angry with them and they're our enemy. Lord, help us to see them as you see them. Help us to have mercy for them as you have mercy for them and as you have had mercy for us. And let us start on that walk today, Lord. To show love not just think it, not just want to love them if they change their ways, but Lord, that we might bless them today, that we might do good to them today, even as they might be trying to do harm to us. Lord, teach us your ways that we might love our enemies. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.